You're listening to Trek FM. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. just as they did back when I was your age. Lord Vader. Yes, Master. The rebels in the Lothal system. Hunt them down. As you wish. The fear. The anger. The hate. I haven't sensed a presence like that since... The Clone Wars. My name is Rex. Captain... Your master has deceived you into believing you can become a Jedi. Welcome everyone to another supplemental episode here of the 602 Club. I swear, I feel like just when I get out, they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> um, it's been a huge weekend for us geeks. Um, let me just run down some of the things that happened. Star Wars Celebration was going on. They, of course, released another teaser trailer. They called it for The Force Awakens, but it's a two-minute teaser. So, geez, talk about spoiling us. Yeah. Three-minute trailer for the Star Wars Rebels Season 2, which I don't really know which one I'm more excited about. The Force Awakens or Rebels Season 2? And I don't really think it's anathema to say that because, God, Rebels Season 2, we're going to talk about it. And then, of course, they they released the Batman versus Superman trailer, finally, which uh, we're not going to talk about on this show, but it did happen. And so that just kind of added to the geek joy. And another trailer got dropped on us, which was the Fantastic Four trailer this weekend. Uh, another more in-depth trailer for that, and I have yet to get to watch it because I've been too busy trying to get all this geek stuff in. And so John Mills is with me because I couldn't think of anybody better. I mean, we have tons of really oh. big Star Wars fans, but 
John also happened to be available, and we wanted to get this out to you as quick as possible. Whew, John, uh, recovered yet? Or Yeah, uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me back on, Matt. I always love being on the 602 Club, and uh, these special episodes, thank you, Star Wars, for giving us a reason to do another one. Um, no, I haven't come off Cloud 9 yet. I I specifically have not come down I don't want to come down off of cloud nine I specifically stayed off of a lot of social media discussions Thursday and Friday of the release week of the trailer because I didn't want anybody harshing my buzz I just I was I'm not going to listen to anybody else right now I I just I wanted I wanted to soak it in love it for every scintilla of joy well, and I think, um, and I'm like you, you know, I didn't really engage in a lot of talk about, say, uh, Batman v Superman because I didn't want to hear negative things. I watched the trailer and I talked to a few people. I like it. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it in our regular 602 Club episode. Uh, we'll do a little supplemental at the beginning. But I felt the same way uh, about this Star Wars trailer as you. You know, I, when the first one came out, the first teaser, um, I wasn't blown away by what they showed us. And I think um, the part of that had to do with the fact that there wasn't that real connection with the saga. It was just all these kind of random scenes that didn't necessarily seem to make any kind of sense with the storyline, especially when we knew Han, Luke, and Leia are going to be back. And I think we all wanted to kind of at least get a sense of how they fit in the story. And I think that... This trailer really did that for us. Um, it, it, it brought back all the emotion that comes apart with when we know that it's an episode. I mean, we have to talk yes. about that now because we've got Rogue One, which they talked about today at Celebration, and um, they're going to be calling those the Star Wars anthology films. Brilliant. Which makes a lot of sense, yeah. but I think that's really smart. But connecting this with the saga, I think, was just such a smart idea. And so... One of the things I just wanted to ask you is what was your, you know, seeing the trailer for the first time as they showed it to us, what were your general thoughts? What were your first impressions? What stood out to you? What was it that just grabbed you the most seeing that trailer that kind of, I mean, seriously, I think there was more fanboy you know, glee and fangirl flailing going on yeah. all over the world because of this that has been seen, I mean, in quite some time. And seriously, I think this is the trailer you're looking for. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I, I'll say that, you know, when I watched the trailer for the first time, uh, I, I took the I took my lunch break specifically on Thursday so I could watch the live panel because I had a feeling. I was like, they're going to, they're going to do something during this panel. They're going to show something. I've got a good feeling about this. Exactly. And when they showed the trailer at the end, I was I was giddy. The moment where it first got me was hearing Luke speak. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. When they showed Vader's burnt helmet was the moment where I it finally clicked for me as, yes, it's the Skywalker family saga. That's what I want to see. This isn't just random people doing things with a nod. This is part of the larger story. And seeing the Vader helmet was the first moment where I felt, okay, they've they've got this as part of the big plan. And 
I know that everybody loved Han and Chewie at the end. I mean, how could you not? But in all honesty, it was the Vader helmet that just sealed the deal for me. And from that moment on, I just had this big Cheshire Cat grin and was, by the end of it, I, I haven't felt this excited about Star Wars since, uh, wow, since the turn of the century, since 1999, when that first episode one trailer came out. I remember just the insanity of like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. And this this brought that moment back. This was that all over again. Star Wars fans were literally partying like it was 1999. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean. Good pull. It's, you know, it it's seriously what was happening. And, you know, I... God, for me, I think the thing that pulled me in was like you that, and, and as we talked about just a little bit, it is the connection with the saga. It's the connection with the, the fact that the saga is the Skywalker story, um, which is why we needed the supplementals like the Clone Wars to kind of really fill in that time period or or Rebels now filling in that time period. Or, of course, we'll get these spinoff films filling in other gaps, But uh, which I think was cool to hear that it was actually George's idea. Yeah. Uh, to do those. He he wanted them to explore those different areas. You know, he, he told them, branch off, tell those other stories. So I, I think that's great. Um, but yeah, what grabbed me was the Luke. Uh, it, for me, it was Luke talking and, and huh. saying those lines from Return of the Jedi and then adding, you have that power too. And that whole idea of Luke, the, the teacher, uh, you know, um, I think is really exciting. You know, the, the Luke is going to be passing on the force to somebody else, um, you know, to, to create more Jedi in this universe that, you know, we have no idea what's going on so far, but it doesn't really seem like there are a lot of other Jedi running around yet. And it's 30 years later. What's Luke been doing for 30 years? Well, I'm glad you mentioned hearing Luke talk because, yeah, that is cool. There was something that uh, those are, you know, that is a line from Return of the Jedi, obviously. But the words, you have that power too, in Return of the Jedi, they occur before he goes through his family line. So immediately I'm thinking this is an Abrams-esque, there's distinction here. Now, I could be wrong. It could just be saying to the fans, you have that power too, you know, like sort of like a little nod. But I take it as this is Luke coming out of the shadows, as it were, and saying, you also have that power. But more importantly is listening to it, The when Luke speaks his line uh, in the trailer, there's a second voice underneath. It's not just yes, an is. echo. yeah. And it sounds like Andy Serkis's voice from the first teaser trailer. And so I initially heard it as, oh, Luke's voice is echoing. But then when I re-listened to it, I, I don't know. I think that there is something here. I, I remember there were rumors for a very long time about some sort of clone playing into this or some sort of adherent... But Vader's burned mask and then seeing Vader's original saber, Anakin's saber, that Luke lost at Bespin in the trailer, that's pretty huge. There's something here. It almost feels like, did they say they got rid of the 
expanded universe because there were going to be things that were going to be in direct conflict with plot points that they came up with. You know, like, because if they bring the lost saber from Bespin in as a plot point in this, then that would have been in direct conflict with Zahn's original trilogy, where that was a point in the, in, uh, not Dark Force Rising, whichever the last one was in that. Um, the Last Command. The Last Command. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, it's such an interesting point. You know, one of the cool things from Celebration was that they had a Force Awakens prop display and they were showing costumes and props. And one of the neat things was seeing that Kylo Ren's lightsaber really is this very cobbled together. I mean, there's nothing refined about it. It has wires on the outside. I mean, it just, it looks like something that somebody has put together that has really no inclination how to make a lightsaber correctly, which I think we can even see. Yeah. Is that's why it has the effect that it does, you know? Uh, when it's ignited, it doesn't look like the lightsabers we're used to. Um, and so... It's going to be a really interesting thing to see because I'm kind of wondering is, you know, that undercurrent under Luke saying that this person who Luke is trying to woo to teach about the Force, somebody else is going to be doing the same thing. So both sides are wooing this Force-sensitive person that, that could be a turning point in the galaxy. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, again, that's a really interesting idea. It's It's big, it's bold, it's... There's just so much going on in this stinking trailer well, that I can't wait to have answered. Yeah, and and the the one thought that keeps going through my mind is, as Master Yoda said, always two there are, no more, no less. So unless they decide to get completely rid of the rule of two, um, which I don't think they will, uh, there's somebody else pulling the strings. And the question is, they're they're showing us, you know, this one figure is he a new master is he who's aiding him basically who's working with him and i'll also say that based on the way i viewed the teaser trailer there's an indication to me that the new stormtroopers if you will are not necessarily the bad guys um at least not at first uh because through looking at the images of them on like sort of a parade grounds of the uh of the one character um John Boyega's character I forget is it mm-hmm. Finn is that his name yeah Finn um when he pulls off his helmet and there's a tie fighter shooting the other tie fighters there's a sense of uh like that the the mechanism of the empire basically the the rebel alliance hollowed out the shell and just took over the mechanism of it so that they could just slide the the government back into place maybe i'm reading too much into it but looking at the way the the these scenes are laid out in the trailer that's what it indicates to me is that the the stormtroopers we're seeing are not the bad guys at first and then there's some sort of coup situation that happens that that where they become the you know the instruments of evil again hmm. yeah that could be really really interesting for sure i mean th- th- i think the, what, what's great about this is there's just so many ways that they can go but what was exciting for me for the trailer was this idea that we are 
connecting ourselves again with the Skywalker story so that when we finish, when we get to the end of, you know, episode nine, that hopefully we do feel like there's a resolution to it all. There's there, In some ways, I kind of want a nice bow, you sure. know, uh, tied up with the Skywalker saga. Um, and we can continue at that point to go on and make you know, myriads of other types of films, uh, with star Wars, there's a lot of different stories. I mean, still want that Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, trilogy. Yeah, I mean, come on. How can you yeah. not give us that? Go We're to Netflix or something that. at least. Yeah. Come on. We're going to keep saying it. Um, yeah. I mean, gosh, do a star Wars Netflix series, uh, with, you know, get, get you in back and, and do it, you know, 13 episode, series that's just epic yeah you know or just three great standalone films we can do that too so sherlock's done it um yeah i mean seriously um well one thing that i just i just had to say john and i felt like we needed to mention because i want to talk about just a little bit how wise is george lucas to have chosen kathy kennedy to to run this this lucas film at this point um, because I, I look at the choices that she's making, especially now that we've been able to see these people, hear these people at celebration, hear their passion, what they're doing with the wars. Um, gosh, what a gift. I think maybe George's uh, last great gift to us is is having Kathy Kennedy be in charge of Lucasfilm. Sure. Because I think she's making all the right choices. And I just wanted to say that. Um, because I, I feel like, um, I feel like JJ is going to get all the credit for this film, um, you know, and all that. But when I think about them choosing, you know, Gareth Edwards and JJ and, you know, obviously allowing Dave Filoni to continue to run, uh, the animation department with rebels and what he's doing there, that all runs through the head, which is Kathy, you know, and, and making those decisions saying, okay, we are going to have these different people in charge of all these properties. And and I just wanted to give uh, some real kudos to her and, and really thank her on this show. She'll never listen to it, probably. But hey, um, hey come on. Don't you dare talk like that. <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you to her for, um, you know, making these great decisions and really, I think, putting Star Wars back on the map in a way that is as strong as I've ever seen the franchise. And I think it really comes down to George just making the absolute right decision to have this person overseeing Lucasfilm, um, somebody who he could completely trust. And yeah. thank you, George, and thank you, Kathy. Uh, I completely agree with you. I, I think you said it wonderfully right there. Uh, uh, very obviously, it would be very easy for somebody in... George Lucas's position when he's ready to give up Star Wars to say, "Uh, yeah, here you go, Disney. Have a great time. But he obviously it's still his creation. And he put he made sure somebody was in charge that, like you said, he could trust. And that would also be a firm guiding hand creatively that knew the value of getting the right people in the right positions. And yes, you, you know, I echo your thought. Thank you to, to Kathy Kennedy because she has done something where she got, yeah, I, I think actually the, the best illustration of it is the fact that she didn't accept no from JJ Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, it would it would have been who you know who wouldn't have wanted that that job. It's almost like she was in a position where when he said no, she could have just said, "Okay, fine." There are like billions of other people that would want this gig, but she insisted on it being him. And I think that shows a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of thought and consideration going into it. Because if you watch J.J. Abrams' work, I've not been too kind on Star Trek Into Darkness. I, I don't care for the movie too much. But he's extremely talented and very obviously influenced by Star Wars. All of his works have a very obvious nod to what inspired him uh to become a filmmaker and star wars is there and you know she for all of the naysayers out there that are you know now all of their fears are alleviated she saw it before we did before any of us did because abrams being announced was greeted with sort of a tepid reaction overall she knew it she saw it she's the one that had the vision to know that he was going to give us uh, now keep in mind we have to we're we're going off the trailers episode seven could still be a complete crap storm it could we have to be realistic about that it could completely deflate everybody um but at the same time based on everything we've seen up to this point up to and including the creation of bb8 you know she has the vision and that you know it makes me actually feel very happy about episode eight and the star Wars anthology standalone movies. There's, you know, I, I mean, she's, she was not just the right person. I think she was the only person that could have pulled this off. I think it helps that she has such, um, a, a strong history with making films like somebody like Steven Spielberg. Um, she's worked with George before she knows how these guys think, um, both of them very similar filmmakers. And, and she understands, I think the the care and love that they had for their properties that went way beyond anything that most people have, even with, um, you know, their own creations. Yeah. George and Steven really put their heart and soul into what they do. And I think it really shows in their films. And so, yeah, I, I think that she is a, the fantastic choice here. I loved, um, you know, watching the, the panels where uh, she was on. And, and I think we have nothing but love for her now as star Wars fans. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she's, she's part of the family. Um, and we're very glad to have her, and and I think that she's going to just continue to help make Star Wars as strong as possible. With all that said, I think it's time we kind of just jump into the trailer, which Let's we start off on a desert planet, which is not Tatooine. It is called Jakku. Now, I'm going to put the brakes on here, because this was something that occurred to me afterward. Like, I remember watching the panel and going, oh, it's called Jakku. It's not, it's not Tatooine after... Is this a John Harrison thing? He told us it wasn't Khan. He swore it wasn't Khan. It was Khan. This is true. This is true. Now, the reason, though, that I I do think that it is this planet called Jakku is that Battlefront, the game, is actually going to be having a level that will come out a week before the movie comes out. And it is the Battle of Jakku. Uh, And it is you are going to be able to play this battle and you will see basically what created this big graveyard of starships 
that is on Jakku, where obviously it looks like Ray is. That's that's Daisy Ridley's character. Yeah. So I I do think that they are being honest uh, here and giving us a, just a little bit of tidbit. I think it's great. You know, fair point. There's okay. A, how many how many planets are there in this you know galaxy? They're all over the place, and so to have um, a, another desert ty- type world, or or at least a big desert in this world where a bunch of starships mm. fell because of a big battle between, you know, the rebels or New Republic, whatever you want to call them, whatever they did call themselves right after, yeah, uh, and the Empire. I think this is just that's what made it real exciting was. They're already setting up kind of the backstory of those 30 years by starting Fair on point. this planet. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, so You know, and actually a horrifying thought occurs to me. We're all taking it as a given that the Rebel Alliance established its government after Return of the Jedi. What if this Battle of Jakku is where even though the Death Star got destroyed, the Empire said, uh-uh, no, 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 it's not that simple. And manage to maintain power. You know, like what, I mean, what if? There's, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different options. Now, I, I do feel like we probably did get some sort of new republic that is set up. Um, I Is the Empire gone? No, I, I do feel like it's going to have that feeling from the books a little bit that there's an Imperial Remnant. It could be even larger than it was in the books where it was kind of pushed to the side and you know the um, the empire was re- relegated to this smaller area of space okay yeah um but uh i it does seem like and you know as we already speculated there could be millions of different ways you could go yeah. with uh, yeah, who the empire is now what they're like um all of that so yeah it's what's interesting here though i love is that they are already setting up the backstory that we're going to be getting in a comic and a book and a video game, which, geez, apparently now I need to buy a new Xbox One so I can play Battlefront yeah. because it's not coming out on 360. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thanks, so. jerks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, so the trailer moves on, and we 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 get to the part where Luke is talking, and we see this burnt out Vader's mask. Who is desecrating Vader's final burying place? Well, is it really desecration or is it uh, honoring? Is it honoring Vader? But Vader, not Anakin. Maybe, yeah, that maybe Luke, uh, that's true. Maybe somebody's a Vader worshiper and uh, that's where, maybe that's where Kylo Ren comes from. Yeah, like looking at that mask, it didn't look like it was desecration it looked like it was set up in a place like yeah. uh, you know the the game like ball somebody puts glass over it <laughs> right. like i do my obi-wan kenobi lightsaber yeah yeah it's like a signed baseball glove to whoever this is They're like oh yeah that's a vader helmet that's the original vader helmet yeah <laughs> that's a good that's a good point um you know i don't i don't i think we were talking and and you had a theory on maybe how a vader might be back you thought in this episode it's possible i don't know for sure it it would be very difficult for it to be done in my opinion particularly well but there could be a vader we could be looking at a vader clone somebody cloned from vader uh could that could be kylo ren or somebody who has some sort of uh you know lineage uh with, with him that way yeah i i mean i think that 
It's entire like, would you put it past the Emperor to have had a spare Vader sitting in his back pocket? Hey, I mean, it makes sense with uh, the Starkiller clones that we saw in uh, the Force Unleashed game. So, yeah. I mean, there that that isn't canon anymore. Those games would be decanonized, but that's where Starkiller comes from, and uh, that he not, is not a clone of Vader, but he's a he's a clone. Yeah, and that there are more of them. So, obviously, you at least it has been done of cloning force-sensitive people in Star Wars and the idea of somebody cloning Vader, but not Vader. You would get Anakin Skywalker then without... Ah, but see, here's where we split hairs. If you go with Lucas's interpretation, the Vader that was walking around, the physical body was this sort of like imprisonment shell for Anakin's spirit prohibiting him from moving on and stuff like that. So... You know, like you could reconstitute Vader without the Anakin in him. Like if you really wanted to stretch it. I don't think they'll do that. I honestly don't yeah. think they'll do that. Yeah. But I think that there's definitely... But hey, it's fun to speculate. Oh, of course it is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's what we do best. Yeah, I mean, we, we got we to gotta fill the next seven months somehow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, I, I think that it's... You know, I think it would be an interesting twist if you found out that Anakin either had a brother that we didn't know about that, you know, like Shmi had a child that he didn't know about after he left Tatooine. Cause that was 10 years. We don't know if there's so not Owen, right? Yeah, no, I don't think Owen's back as Kylo Ren. I think that, uh, <laughs> that, that <laughs> all the, he all of a sudden has force abilities and is not a charred, like, you know, well, that was something he had in common with his stepbrother. So, you know. That is true. That is true. <laughs> a little bit harder to come back from that one, even with some mechanical appendages. Well, but maybe he was just that powerful a force user. You never know. That is, the, that is true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Darth Maul can come back from being cut in half, then geez. I know. Anything's possible. Um, but, you know, think of the weight that it would add then to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back saying, no, there is another. Because, you know, then in Jedi, you know, Obi-Wan says, no, the other he spoke of was your twin sister. Uh, and, oh, gosh, Leia's my sister. Yeah, that Obi-Wan knew about. Maybe Yoda knew about somebody that he didn't even tell Obi-Wan about that was out there. That would be crazy. It would um, be pretty nuts. I do like the idea, though. And I, I think that, that that there is something to the idea that Kylo Ren is a dark side user who is obsessed with the emperor and vader and that's where he comes from and he is trying to reconstitute the sith and of course he's built this lightsaber that is is very uh, just cobbled together quite unstable and uh it, at least from from what we're used to and and therefore but yet he's really powerful and he's trying to draw an army to himself and all of those kind of things so i think I think there's something really to that of of the storyline in that just as there has been an awakening, have you felt it? That there's awakening not just on the light side, but the dark side as well. As the dark side tries to rekindle itself, the light side is rekindling itself in some way that it's, as Luke is getting older, it needs somebody else to, to be the balance. 
and therefore Luke needs to pass that on in much the same way Obi-Wan and Yoda needed to pass on the mantle to Luke. Well, the one thing I will say, though, that is very conspicuous about both trailers is, the, in a sense, the absence of Leia, her, her face or her voice. And I think that there is significance as that. I think that there is significance to that specifically because I am getting a sense that Leia's going to die in this movie. I know that sounds crazy to base it simply off of a trailer, but why else would her voice and or face not appear in the second teaser? And that's a, that's a lot of spoilers and speculation has been that it's going to be Han Solo that dies. That could be really interesting that it could be Leia. That is that is an interesting thought. I've never heard that one before. But Her, her absence is conspicuous. Very conspicuous. It is interesting, yeah. Because the very next scene after Vader's mask is R2 with what everybody is assuming is Luke. Uh-huh. Uh, with his mechanical hand, obviously it looks like uh, the years have not been kind to the to the synthetic flesh that had covered that mechanical hand, and now we're just seeing what's underneath, very much like what you know we would have seen with his father yep. if you had taken off that glove. And uh, so I think that's really interesting. And so far, the the words are matching what we're seeing on screen. My father has it. I have it. And the very next scene is this somebody getting a lightsaber and Luke saying, my sister has it. And a lot of people are speculating that this this person getting the lightsaber, uh, being handed the lightsaber, is actually Leia. Um, because so far, what we're seeing on screen is matching the words. You've got Vader, mm-hmm. his father, you've got him, him you know, uh, and then this is Leia. So I'm very interested with this because this is maybe the only thing we see of Leia in this trailer. And I think that's really interesting that she's being handed the original lightsaber of Anakin Skywalker that Luke lost. Well, not really lost. I mean, his dad chopped his hand off. Let's just be honest. You know, honestly, if he had been on his game and, you know, truly been a uh, student of the Force, he could have caught that hand before it went tumbling off. Yeah, I mean, let's be I honest. mean he could have. Uh, he was a little busy falling and trying to scream, not to scream, to scream, not to scream. <laughs> it was hard to figure out which one to do. You know, I, um, honestly, I, I just I just really think that he, he should have been a little bit more focused. I mean that's a family heirloom. You're losing an antique at that point, and that's that's yeah, kind of careless. On, it is. I mean, I, we just don't have lots of lightsabers lying around in the galaxy these days. Exactly. Okay? This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that that's really a really interesting scene, though, being handed the lightsaber, and and if that's Leia, and you know. That is, a lot of rumors have been going around, a lot of spoilers about this lightsaber and it really being kind of the MacGuffin of the the story and kind of setting that up. And is that going to come to Ray or Finn? Or are they going to end up being these heroes that we end up following? Because it's 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 really Finn, Ray, and Poe Dameron that are going to be the next generation. I mean, it, it's Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and, and Oscar. Isaac that are the ones that kind of being set up as the new tr- trinity. Can I can I ask you a question as long as you mention Poe Dameron? Sure. Am I the only person bothered by how poorly his helmet seems to fit? 
Yes, because that very next scene, his helmet does seem to move quite a bit with all those, uh, you know, X-Wings screaming through yeah. the mountains and over a lake. Yeah, it does bother me. Now, I have to say, watching the opening ceremonies there for Celebration and seeing the, the Force Awakens panel, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac are fan-freaking-tastic. Yes, they are. I mean... If you weren't in love with Daisy Ridley before, you are now. John Boyega is just hysterical. And Oscar yeah. Isaac is a perfect new Han Solo. He oh, is yeah. as cocky and as 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 ballsy as Harrison Ford was. Well, you know, I just... I just oh, God. His his impersonation of Harrison Ford was perfect. Was fantastic. It was a little yes, weird. Yes, Boyega talking about going up and having him sign his action figure and, you know, Harrison being, this is weird. Yeah. You know, just was fantastic. I Yeah. Fantastic. It, it was great. And I also want to say um, that seeing the old cast up there was really nice uh, with them, but... But to bring it back to the trailer, I had a friend say that, you know, Chewie didn't look that different in the trailer. And I'm going to say two things about that. One, he does look different. Um, Not drastically, but he does look different. And two, Chewie was already 200 years old. Another 30 years, eh, it's not going to add that much to you. Wookiees lived to be 400 or so years old, so he's really in his prime yeah, at this point. Yeah, he is. He's, I mean, leave the guy alone. Yeah. He, he, I mean, his <laughs> eyes look a little bit older, but that's to be expected at that point. He looks a little older, a little wiser there, but, I mean, he's not going to be graying, you know. He doesn't need just for Wookiees. Yeah, just for... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, you know, I, I although I do think that um, the trailer uh, is messing with people. Uh, at the at the end, because you hear Chewy, we're home. Uh, I don't think that those two. Uh, I don't think that Chewy and then we're home. I don't think that scene is playing the way that we're all seeing it. I think that that is at some point in the movie they're coming in and saying to everybody that uh, you know they're they've flown out of Jakku by the looks of it. You know they're saying we're home, and I I also want to say as long as we're talking about. Uh, that scene the the first time I played the trailer on my television um, my dog was in the room and because uh, she's a big movie buff and so the trailer's going and then when it gets to the end and you hear Han Solo say chewy my dog dropped down onto her belly and started growling she thought Harrison <laughs> Ford's voice was another dog challenging her <laughs> Oh man, that's really funny. Yeah, isn't that's it? That's awesome. That that is a yeah, we'll get there, but that is gosh, just such a a great snippet and it's most needed I think in the trailer. I it's, we needed that connection to those characters, to those original series characters, I think. Um we'll just talk about it out of order, who cares. Yeah. I just I think that that scene it encapsulates what everybody's so excited about. And to see Harrison Ford say, Chewie, we're home. And and that feeling of we're back on the Falcon, which I'm I'm wondering if, if Ray is his daughter, and that's why she's the one who has the Falcon, and she he hasn't had it for a while. And so that when they get back on the Falcon for the first time, it's Han's giddy you know fanboy moment of i'm back i'm back where i belong i'm back in in the surroundings the life that 
uh, I, I've been a man of responsibility, but this this is home, you know? Like, I, I to me, that's what it all says. Not only that, but of course, ending the trailer with that line, that's how we feel as Star Wars fans. We're back on the Millennium Falcon. We're home. But, but do you think it was too much of a nod? Like, no, th- I'm not going to be that cynical. Okay, that's I mean, that's fair because I, I, you know, there there are there is uh, an almost fearful instinct about this film is that it's going to be too self-referential. And that that's what I, you know, like that scene. That's why I, maybe in my brain I'm playing it out as that scene's not playing the way that we think it is. They just happen to have a good line. Uh, you know, to, to throw at us, uh, you know, for the trailer. But, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I did sort of jump ahead there. No, that's okay. So. I, I think it's a good question. And I think, um, I really do think, though, that I think that the scene is playing, to me, it's, and just from what I've kind of heard from rumors and everything, it seems to play out that maybe Han hasn't been on the Falcon for a while. And he's back, and that line makes sense. Um, and I, th- I think in some ways it works because even as, as fans who love the prequels, we both love them, uh, you and I, John. And so it, we never thought George would ever make any more Star Wars movies, you know, and we didn't think there would ever be any more Star Wars movies. Yeah. So the idea that we're home, we're back in this galaxy far, far away, I think is just exciting for all of us. And so I, I think that line works on so many different levels. And I I think it's that unabashed, giddy fanboy, fangirl reaction to being back in in the world of Star Wars like this on the big screen. Okay, um, and I, yeah. I I think that's okay. I I think that that geek joy is rare these days because we're so darn cynical about everything. That um, that I mean that that is completely valid. That is that's a great point. And that that is that is what the trailer, you know, in spades has is that that sense of love and joy. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. There are so few. And that is definitely what contributed to me not participating in too many discussions about the trailer after it came out was, you know, as great as everybody was feeling, there was that immediate snap back as well from people that wanted to find something wrong with it. And it's like, what what a clear indication that we're, as fans, we're all a little bit broken inside. Yeah, I mean, there's already a video out there that's everything wrong with the Star Wars Force Awakens trailer 2. So it's on YouTube, yeah. Um, I, you know what, I, seriously, I, if you give... I if don't you, need that. If you give me a pitchfork and a torch, I'm going to that person's house. I'm sold, yeah. done. I'm yeah. on my way. I just... And I I don't need that. I, I, I don't need that in my fandom because, and and this is, let's talk about this real quick. We'll get back to the trailer, but let's talk yeah. about this real quick, John, because this is a supplemental episode and we'll do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. There's there's no rules here. Uh, it's like Fight Club, except <laughs> Ruby really gets pissed off if we rip apart the 602. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have you the know, money to pay for the repairs. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, she's got this place decorated nicely. Yeah, um, very. But, it, you know, Fans, do you not realize that the people that put these things together put their heart and soul into it? And you can tell with somebody like J.J. Abrams, who is putting his heart and soul into making Star Wars. And I say the same thing for somebody like Zack Snyder. 
he is putting his heart and soul into making, you know, this Batman v Superman film. He did it with Man of Steel, and he's done it with everything he does. You know, you don't spend years of your life putting something together because you don't like it, because you're not committed to it, because you don't want to give the best thing you possibly can to fans. Right. Um, something that they that that'll surprise them, that'll awe them, something that'll challenge them, something they've never seen before. So let's just stop the hate, especially before we've ever seen the damn film. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's fair for somebody to, if they look at a trailer and it doesn't work for them, and I'll, I'll pull another, yeah, you, definitely, because you made reference to it earlier, yeah, and, and I, I'm doing this strictly for comparison's sake, but if somebody had a reaction to the Force Awakens trailer the way that I had a reaction to the new Fantastic Four trailer, okay. Well, then let's just shake hands and part ways. We're obviously, you know, we're going to be intractable with our opinions. There's no point to go out to the world and talk about how much I dislike the new Fantastic Four trailer. Because you know what? There are people out there that like it. There are going to be people out there that enjoy it. Okay, I don't begrudge you that. Right, exactly. Well, and as we all know from trailers, the movie could be completely different when you see it all in context. And sure. so, and and I think that's the thing that I've always tried to do, and I think I try to, that we really want to encourage on the 602 Club is, is to have all-out enjoyment of all of these things and go in with an open mind. You know, I'm not so looking forward to the Fantastic Four myself, but I'm going to go in hoping that it's going to be good. I'm going to go in hoping I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to go in hoping for the best. And then if it still disappoints me, that's a different story after I've seen everything in context. You know, but even this trailer, the Force Awakens trailer here that we're talking about, I haven't seen the whole movie. What they've shown me here, I like. This has got me. The first trailer really didn't. This one's got me, though. But as we said at the beginning, you already said, it could be a crap fest. Let's judge things by their entirety when they come out. And if a trailer doesn't grab us, well, that could just be what they pulled in the marketing aspect that's not getting you. Who knows, though? You might still be grabbed by the actual film if you're not too jaded by the time you get to the theater. Here, here's a question for you uh, to, to bring it back to the trailer itself is visually, I, I will straight out uh, state that visually it, laid a lot of my fears because the the lighting <laughs> the shot composition all of that stuff felt star wars yes yes now, the definitely. camera movements during the the falcon chase scene that feels very abrams very different but the the colors the you know the palette the 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 way the camera is set up and you know granted it's it's just a 2 minute trailer but if you didn't tell me that it was J.J. Abrams directing it, I would look at this and say, that's a Star Wars movie. It, it didn't look like yes. Zack Snyder doing a Star yes. Wars movie. It looked yeah. like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it, 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 felt like, it felt like somebody trying to mimic, in some ways, the way that George makes the films, especially in light of the prequels. Um, and so that chase sequence, it made me think of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Attack of the Clones in the asteroid field. 
um, the uh. way that they could do that scene as compared <laughs> to what they could pull off obviously in Empire Strikes Back just because of the limitations. What, what's funny you is know. I thought of the beginning of episode three, but... Okay, yep, yeah. that too. There you go. Very much, exactly. So um, I really think that this film is taking into account all of the ramifications of the entire saga of Star Wars when it's coming to its look and it's not just drawing from the original series. As much as J.J. says that we want to stick to the aesthetic of the original series... They're also pulling, obviously, all the ship movements, uh, what's, what looks Star Wars as well from the prequels, because that's where the prequels really come to help you, th- that ships can move in a certain way that they just couldn't in the 80s because it just wasn't physically possible to make them move in such a way. I mean, even Episode 4 and Episode 5, the model for the original Falcon was so heavy that it could only move in certain like slow kind of you know panning shots yeah. whereas in you know episode 5 they've created a much lighter model that allowed them to make that ship just come alive in a way that it just didn't in the first film yep. and that was just because of the weight um and and that kind of change in technology obviously now that ships are "Quote unquote weightless because they're CGI and <laughs> yeah. the Falcon is going to be CGI in this film. We can sell that. Uh, it's not a real ship, I don't think. Uh, wait, wait, not, wait, wait. Whoa, hey, hey, Matt. They said they're dedicated to realism. They built a real Millennium Falcon that flies. Okay, I, I don't want to hear. Well, I don't want to hear your trash talk. Real, does it do point five past light speed though? Well, no. That's the one difference is they weren't okay. able to put the okay. the full point uh, five special modifications. Yeah. yeah. Well, the trailer, let's get back to that. We get just a bunch of reaction shots. We got Kylo Ren just slashing with his lightsaber. We've got Ray and Finn running away with BB-8. Um, we've got all these stormtroopers that have a crowd behind them as Kylo Ren is, it looks like he's using the Force. And don't tell me Kylo Ren doesn't look just like Revan from KOTOR, from Knights of the Old Republic. There are some similarities there, yeah. Which is awesome to me because KOTOR has to be one of the best Star Wars properties. Those two games are fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, yeah, they are. They're pretty great. Yeah, and so I love that they have that kind of aesthetic, which John, I think, would go towards our our theorizing that he's a dark side person who's kind of in love with all these old dark side users, whether it's Darth Vader, maybe somebody like Darth Revan, He's been studying, and so therefore his look and everything is kind of modeled after these people, and his look just happens to be modeled a lot like, you know, Darth Revan. Well, you know, it could very easily be something where they they drew the inspiration the way that Marvel draws the inspiration from the comics for certain things in their cinematic Mm -hmm. universe, where this is is a little loving nod to the fans. Yeah. Then we have this great scene of all these stormtroopers on in this mountainous area. They look like they're on an assembly. There's this ginormous. I mean, it looks like it looks like space Nazis. I mean, the, the way the <laughs> yeah. stormtroopers all turn around. Um, you got the new Tie Fighter in the background with the white panels instead of the dark panels. Um, and you've got people. Goodness. You've got people standing on the dais in black uniforms. Yes. Yes. Uh, you get a nice shot of Ray, and then all of these shots of the um, 
the ships. Um, and of course, we've got Finn reacting. It looks like he's kind of reacting to the fact that somebody is in a TIE fighter blowing things up. And there's blood. Like, yeah. on there's a handprint on of blood on his face mask and everything. So who knows what's going on there? And then a new Star Destroyer. Yeah. A massive Star Destroyer <laughs> with this big V-Wing ship. I, maybe that's what they're uh, going to call it. Uh, looks it Actually, uh, to my eye... It, actually, can't call it a V-Wing because they already had a V-Wing yeah. in the Clone Wars. Uh, so. to, to my eye, it looked like a descendant of either a Gamma or a Lambda-class shuttle. Yeah, yeah, okay, yep. Um, so there's that. I mean, goodness, this trailer has everything. And then something that has been just driving norm crazy he loves it is the chrome trooper uh, uh yes. which uh captain phasma is what we think that is and and uh most likely is uh gwendolyn christie's character um and i think the speculation is maybe she's a jedi hunter um well a lot of people are uh, also speculating that that is the quote new boba fett uh type character so uh could be yeah yeah, that would be really interesting. I mean, there's just... And then, of course, BB-8, which... Yeah. Can I just be honest with you? Everybody's love of BB-8 just drove me crazy for a while. It's like, he's barely in this trailer, this first trailer. <laughs> and I just don't understand it. But when I saw that he is a real-life practical effect, they won me over. Uh, um, I loved BB-8 from the beginning because I thought that was... Going back to the first trailer, that was an example of the sort of whimsy that makes Star Wars so much fun to watch uh, any of the episodes. You know, whether you have, you know, uh, desert planet dinosaurs that people ride around or, you know, even R2's beep talk and, and stuff like that. But yes, I, I, I agree with you. The fact that it's a practical model, I want some, I, they are going to sell those things if they so can, many. I mean, no, no, did you I, hear I don't, I don't, the fact that, I mean, um, you know, that Bob Iger actually had to find a company who could make this possible? The, my thought is that this is a really expensive piece of technology to actually make BB-8 work. Oh, I'm not saying a working BB-8. I'm saying that they're going to sell so many of the action figures and oh, okay. paperweights yeah. and alarm clocks and <laughs> BB-8 <laughs> yeah. paperweight. Well, it's perfect. Um, gosh, you, you could have the... Except it keeps rolling off my desk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> BB-8 ice cubes. There you, that, that works. There you go. I want that in my whiskey. Yeah. Ruby, order those, please. Yeah. Well, we get some other great shots. We've got Ray extending her hand to Finn. Really, I think, encapsulating that idea that they're going to be the protagonists that we really follow, I think, in this film. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to be... In a lot of ways, I feel like they're the the Luke and Leia of this trilogy. You know, um, I don't know. If, I don't think they're going to be related at all. But that they're the ones that, um, in some ways, are going to be entangled with the Force, and then you're going to have that kind of cocky pilot Poe Dameron at their side, and somehow they're all going to end up together. Um, and then, yeah, we end up with that amazing shot of. The the Falcon flying into what looks like a downed maybe Star Destroyer and being shot at. And, of course, Harrison Ford telling us that him and Chewie are home. Yeah. And 
I think what this trailer did for me was remind me that it is an episode. Yeah. This isn't just something with the name Star Wars on it. You know, this is actually an episode of Star Wars. And I think that that's what the first trailer was really missing. And this trailer captures with everything that it does. And I think it does it really well um, because it adds enough new and it gives us enough nostalgia for the old to really make us excited. And what's exciting too about this series is that much like in a lot of way Rebels is, much like the original trilogy is, is we have no idea where these characters end up. And that's always an exciting place to be in, in the storytelling. And so, yeah, my my excitement for this film shot up about a thousand percent because that first trailer, just not for me. It, It just wasn't exciting for me. This, though, because of its connection with the Skywalker saga, with the saga in general, is reminding me that I, I just love Star Wars. I, and this feels Star Wars. And I think getting to see more of it helped me, just like it did you, that it feels like Star Wars in the look. Yep. And everything else. And so it's alleviated a lot of those tensions I had with J.J. and everything else. And hey... Right now, I'm totally sold. And so only, let me put it this way, only the movie itself can ruin it for me at this point. Uh, yeah, for me right now, why aren't you selling my tickets online already? Why do I have to wait? <laughs> Just sell me the damn ticket. We, You know I'm going to buy it. I know I'm going to buy it. We all know I'm going to buy tickets, okay? Just give me the opportunity to buy tickets now. I don't care that you're putting Celebration London up for sale. I'm not buying tickets to that. Put tickets for the movie up for sale. I can't afford to go to London. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't. But I will spend probably the same amount uh, as a London... If the movie if the movie is as good as the second trailer seems to promise, I may wind up spending as much as a trip to London in the number of times <laughs> I see it. That's true. <laughs> I can totally see that happening. Well, I'm... I mean, I guess... Jeez, if you were going to rate this trailer and your excitement for The Force Awakens before we jump into the Rebels talk... What might you put on this as a rating? Is there a numerical rating that could be enough for you? Um, yes, uh, fifty thousand credits. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, this is just, and I think this is a great rating. One Daisy Ridley. It's <laughs> enough. I hope that she is. Uh, I hope that all three of the uh, the actors are prepared for going through life unable to get a hamburger without being recognized. Oh my God, you're that person from Star Wars! Yep. Yep. It's just like the uh, robot chicken episode. Are you George Lucas? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, Yes, I I am. Uh, Okay, well, if, if, if excitement couldn't get any more exciting if we thought it couldn't get any more exciting after that trailer rebel season two dropped a trailer on us that is three minutes and 30 some odd seconds long and o m g i mean if there's ever a need for that on twitter as a hashtag i again this could eclipse how excited i am 
for The Force Awakens, and it's just because they dropped some serious bombs on what's going to be happening in Season 2. They uh, The Season 2 trailer for Rebels is basically a letter from the show creator saying, we heard you, we understand what you didn't like, and we're going to fix it here. We're going to fix it. It's all going to be okay. And at, I I will say that um, I didn't expect to be as excited about the trailer as I was. It caught me completely off guard. And as I said in a Twitter exchange with somebody, I, I don't even remember what the handle was. But, you know, right after the, the trailer dropped, they said, Captain Rex is going to be in season two of Rebels. And I just responded to them by saying, they're tears of joy. Joy. Like... Seeing Captain Rex, I was like, oh, no, really? Yes, this? You're doing that? And I, uh, I like, I, yeah. I, just the idea of Captain Rex being back is such a, like, it, it's like handing just a giant tin of chocolate to the fans and saying, we love you. Like, the, the, oh, it's just yeah. amazing. And having Vader. Ah, gosh. I mean, just... Voiced by James Earl Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James is James Earl Jones is back, and he is back with a vengeance yep. playing Vader in season two. Yes. Yes. And I, awesome. I, I loved even more than I I loved it in the, uh, the first season, but seeing mm-hmm. the saber look the way it looked in, you know, the original Star Wars is just such... A wonderful it's design. It's still a little nod. skinny for me. Oh no, um, it bothers me. Oh. But personally, um, it's it's a little too skinny. It 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 looks too weak. I loved the way that they had the sabers in the rest of the films, and then of course in in Clone Wars, I felt like they just looked more substantial. But that's just me. But I'm not going to let that ruin it for me. But but the, I mean, it's just a tiny nitpick I have. But the fact that they look like. The you know, the ones from the original film like that that to me is just that that's such a fun little Easter egg if yeah, you will it like is a design an Easter egg. egg it is it is fun and and yet it, it doesn't make sense because with the rest of the films it doesn't compute you know especially coming from the Clone Wars where everybody's lightsaber looked fine you know what did lightsabers get less powerful or just got skinnier they got on a diet <laughs> you know during you know the dark times um. But that that uh, that's that's just my own personal nitpick. But it doesn't bring anything out of this. What I love about this trailer is that what it does for the fans. I think you know Dave has talked extensively about, and he did it at uh, Celebration. He said, "Look, we we didn't want any of the Clone Wars characters to eclipse what we were doing with the Rebels characters, and when we use them, we still don't want that to happen." But I think Dave realized just the impact of having the Clone Wars gone meant to so many people. He, he said over and over again, I can't go on Twitter any time of the day, any day of the week, any day of the year without seeing Save the Clone Wars. People still have such a passion for this show. And I think they heard that loud and clear. And that's one of the reasons that Ahsoka's there. We're getting Rex. We're going to get Commander Wolf. We're, we may, hopefully, who knows, we could find out about Cody. Oh, Hondo's um, back. Also, Hondo is back. I mean, could it be better than Hondo being back? No, it I, could not. 
Um, and Vader is in there. So putting all these things together, I, you know, I understand that these Rebels characters needed to be important. But to me, they were made important when Ahsoka showed up. Because it showed how important they were that she would step in. Um, when we learn that she's alive, the fact that she's willing to step in herself at this point, um, let me know how important they are. And again, that was my criticism of the original season before that happened was I wasn't being made aware of why these characters were important yet. Um, and now they are because they have this interconnectedness with characters that are extremely important to Star Wars. Vader. They have connections with Yoda. They have connections with Ahsoka. They have connections with, with funny characters like Hondo or Rex. I mean, this creates that tapestry that we want to see from our interconnected Star yes. Wars. And that's what this trailer does. Yes. You're absolutely right. I, I can't add anything to that. It's spot on. Well, and what's what's really scary here, I, I don't know about you, but I am worried for these characters. Um, because the fact that Vader is here and they need to leave Lothal because they are... They've created such a disturbance that Vader's now there. I mean, we we went through Callus, we went through uh, the Inquisitor, we went through Tarkin, and now we're at the biggest bad guy there is until you reach the Emperor, and he doesn't get off his butt much these days. So it's as bad as it gets when the Dark Lord of the Sith shows up. Uh, and the simple fact that uh, Palpatine is voiced by Sam Witwer is oh wonderful is absolutely and wonderful what's great is that he sounds just like ian he yeah. sounds just like oh he is, he's absolutely spot on absolutely i don't wonderful. know why they didn't have him play like yeah i know i, I loved know. i what i loved i i mean ian abercrombie was fantastic in the clone wars yep. and i was very sad when he passed because he was able to voice that um, Palpatine that was kind of menacing but it was always in those undertones and he did a great job I think um, when he died I was surprised that those last couple of scenes that they needed Palpatine for they didn't just have Sam do um, they went out and got Tim Curry uh, to, to fill in those those few scenes that he ended up doing so um, but yeah the fact that he's playing the Emperor and sounds just like Ian McDermott is just brilliant beyond brilliant if you ask me yeah I Yes, I, I like I, again. It's just everything that bothered me about the first season of Rebels. They have very obviously, just in this trailer alone, indicated that they fixed it, or at least I hope I'm reading them right because everything about that trailer says, you know, systems green. This will hold you over till the movie comes out. Well, I, you know, having this trailer, the fact that they have to leave the fall. The Emperor has given a specific message to Vader in saying, hunt down these rebels in the fall because they've caused too much, too many problems, is fantastic. In fact, we even see Vader flying against a bunch of A-wings and a uh, yeah. rebellion fleet yep. and causing some serious havoc. So, I mean, not only is Vader back, but Vader's back with a vengeance. 
Yeah, you, you almost get the sense that like Vader's been sort of under wraps and sort of held in reserve. And now the Emperor's like, no, go out, take care of this, get it done. And now that Vader's back out in the world, he's like, yep, all right, I'm going to go through you like a warm knife through butter. And, and he does. I mean, we're seeing A-wings, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to see the evolution of the B-wing, oh. which is even more exciting. Yes, it is. Hera in a B-wing. Oh, gosh. My little heart just... Uh, <laughs> Grew three sizes that an, day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I have to say, too, it, just as they did with Clone Wars, and, and Dave said this as well in one of the panels that they did about Rebels, is they are growing with with how well they can do these episodes and um, the, the fact that it looks even better than it did the first season. And I'm really excited to see what this show is going to continue to look like as we move through the seasons. As they get more assets, they create more assets, which for them is very expensive to create these assets that are new yeah. um, that they can use later. But they're doing it in an amazing way. I mean, this trailer in the show looks fantastic. I think it would be a great poll question for fans to see which trailer made you more excited. Like, I, I think you would cause a lot of people to sit there and really think about it. And I'm not talking about, like, the everyday fan. Like, I could show uh, my wife, who is also, you know, a fan of Star Wars and everything. Like, I could show her the Rebels trailer, and she'd be like, yeah, that's all right. But then she sees the Episode Seven trailer, and she's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Because she cares about the movies. She doesn't care about the other stuff like we do. I'm talking about people on the level that you or me or others listening who really passionately care about the entire package. I like, I would love to have hooked people up to a monitor to see their heart rate when they were watching the two of them, because I can tell you that as much as I love that force awakens trailer, still love it, not past tense, still love the force awakens trailer. Like that rebels trailer was an emotional roller coaster for me because it was that it was that, acknowledgement of we know how bad it hurt you to take away Clone Wars. We're going to make it okay. Like that just emotionally was very satisfying. God, I couldn't agree more. Um, I I think that's exactly what they did. And um, I think that especially this trailer showing us so much of Ahsoka, the fantastic conversation between Kanan and Ahsoka about, you know, Kanan talking, I haven't felt... That 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 sense of evil, and she finishes his thought since the Clone Wars. Yeah, and you see the connection between these two, these two people who used to be younglings under Jedi masters, and obviously Ahsoka was ahead of Kanan, and she's older than Kanan, but she's not that much older, right? Uh, and and yet she's had, I think, an even worse experience since he than he did. You know, with all that happened to her with the Jedi Council. Um, and she's had to really find her own way. And I think that's going to be what's so interesting just about her. And the scariest part is the fact that, you know, they're having that conversation. She says they're all going to be after us now. And it's not just Vader, but we've got new Inquisitors as well. Yeah. And. I'm kind of wondering, and, and this is just speculation, do you think maybe Barriss Offee might have been turned into a, an Inquisitor and her and Ahsoka might have a face-off? Ooh, that's an interesting thought. 
That would be that. Or is that a bridge too far? No, it could. You know what? If if Count Dooku can manipulate Sifo Dyas, why couldn't Vader manipulate uh, Barriss Ophi? Barriss, yeah. Not? I just see it as as being the case uh, that that's a possibility. That would be a great place to take her character and then have you know Ahsoka and her have to face down. So that not only are we looking forward to something like the Ahsoka Invader showdown, which has to come, but it would be great to see in some way some vindication and almost that I would personally like to see Ahsoka be able to off Barris Offie. You know, the person who really destroyed her career as a Jedi, and yet at the same time, because of her actions, most likely saved her life. Uh, And the the strange way that the Force works, because Ahsoka is still alive now and wasn't just taken apart because of, you know, Order 66. So, um, yeah, so many, again, this is what's so exciting about this period of Star Wars is there's so much we don't know, so many characters that we have no idea what's going to happen to them. In fact, everybody on this show except for Vader, Tarkin, and Yoda that we've heard the voice of, those are the characters we know what their fate is. Everybody else, you can do whatever you want with. Yeah, up for grabs. And Yeah, it's great. And, I mean, Rex. Rex is back. Rex looks like... Gimli. <laughs> can you see yeah, it? Yeah, I can see that. Like a, see. a bald Gimli? Yeah. 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 I mean, those clones, they look bad, badass. I mean, they are stocky. They are, I mean, they well, just look like massive wrestler dudes. The, I mean, the, at the, this point. The, the, the greatest moment is when Rex, you know, I, I, well, what's the exact like, was it, But when he looks and he goes, uh, I see you brought along your storm troopers. You know, like that yes. distinction of like, oh, yes. y- you brought in the JV team. Okay, yeah. let me show you how this is going to break down. Yes, the the exact line is he says, I hope you brought a better class of soldier rather than those storm troopers. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so brilliant. Um, Yeah, and I love that, that you're seeing these clone troopers you know, Dave said, you know, at the end of that clone arc in, in season six, of The Lost Missions, Fives had told him, you know, what had happened. And he said, you know, I, I when we were discussing the arc and, and before George left, I sat down to have a huge conversation with him. And, and two of the biggest conversations were Rex and Ahsoka. What happened to them? And he said, you know, I wanted to believe with Rex that hearing the truth that if your heart is pure enough as a hero, that the the truth pierces it and it, it makes it a reality for you and that that's how Rex survives. Um, that, that he could be able to fight that programming somehow. You know, and I think that's what's fantastic is that, you know, a lot of people complain that people don't die enough in Star Wars, but I think that's what's so exciting about Star Wars and it gives it that, that sense of hope is that they can overcome the greatest odds. And that's what sets it apart from all the other sagas where we just kill people off indiscriminately for no good reason. Uh, Joss Wheaton, I'm talking to you, buddy. Um, There's no reason to kill off characters unless it's absolutely necessary for the story, if you ask me. 
um, that it really drives home that point. And I love that Dave, even more so than George in a lot of ways, has a heart for the characters and has a really hard time killing them and would rather see fun ways of bringing them back that speak to us in these ways than just allowing them to stay dead. And I think, as we talked about, it really is a love letter to say, we understand. You love the Clone Wars. We really did too. In fact, Dave even said, I had a hard time with them canceling the Clone Wars. Um, it was tough for me. Yeah. And uh, it was tough for us too, and he knows that. And uh, I think he's really paying it off for us with this trailer. I hope that eventually uh, Mr. Filoni gets uh, some sort of Star Wars anthology movie. I, I really do. I, I want to see him get a movie movie. Uh, there, which is not to diminish what he has accomplished with the you know the animated medium. I would love to see him take a, take a shot, like for lack of a better term, graduate if you will, to one of the standalones, you know, oh, yeah. in whatever format, because he gets it, and I would love to see him take a crack at it. Well, and if anybody deserves it, it really is Dave. And oh, yeah. I think um, honestly, if you are ever thinking about doing that Kenobi spinoff. Dave is the person to do it because nobody like Dave understands these characters in this time period. And I think that's really exciting. Um, You know, the Rogue One is going to be set between episodes three and four. Um, It's going to be a whole film on them stealing the Death Star plans, but with no Jedi involved whatsoever. Um but yeah, if anybody really understands this time period, it's it's Dave Filoni. Will we finally get to see a Bothan on screen? Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Will they look I like the way great. they did in the expanded universe? Or are they going to make them know. just the word Bothan just mean a different type of human like Corellian? Uh, let's hope Let's hope that they look like they do in the expanded universe. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm. That's another exciting thing. But that's we'll talk about that. Later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this this trailer just has so much going on it. Um, and I mean the fact that all of these amazing characters are back. The the interaction that's going on. I Walker battles between the old Clone Wars Walker and the new ATAT Walker. Just amazing between Rex's yeah. Walker there, and it's just fantastic. Um. I mean, we're talking about the end here with with Vader facing off against Kanan and Ezra. And as Dave has told us before, Dave Filoni has told us, Vader's like at a certain, you know, grade point average here with, with the Force and his abilities. Yeah. he You know, Vader's like a, an A. Ezra is like a D minus... And, you know, Kanan's like, uh, C. So they have absolutely no chance against Vader. And, okay, yeah. I got to ask you, this last scene, we see Vader has dispatched Kanan pretty quickly. And it, he's about to dispatch Ezra by decapitation of his own lightsaber. Uh, he's using the force to cause Ezra to cut off his own head, basically. Do you think that's the moment where Ahsoka jumps in? No, I don't. I think that uh, I think that 
we could be looking at the end of Canaan. I could very easily see Canaan dying and then Ahsoka taking on Ezra, um, but not training him. Basically, I could see this as... I, I do. I, I see this as a... I mean, you, you. I think you're reading it validly too, where it could very easily be Ahsoka coming in and saying, you know, I, I didn't want to believe that it was you, but I know that it's you. You know, I, I can't believe, you know, everything that that's that's happened that you've done, and having that that confrontational moment where Vader's forced to first face somebody who really knew who he was before he became Vader. So. That would be pretty cool. I that scene just seemed to me that they cut it off, and at the moment as Ezra is about to die, Ahsoka is is the one who jumps in and and causes Vader to lose his grip and faces him down. And I feel like it's a think about this. Couldn't it be an amazing homage to Episode Three and Ahsoka? kind of screaming at him, you know, you were my friend. I knew what I knew about you and Padme. I didn't say anything. All of those things that she can yell at him um, and just let loose on the the man who has caused such destruction in the galaxy. And she's not a Jedi. That's why her lightsabers are white. Um, Yeah. Dave says, you know, that lightsaber crystals are clear until you you put them in your saber and you've chosen who you are and they re- kind of reflect your character, green or blue or purple or red. And and so uh, I would love to just... I just think that that scene could be one of the most powerful things we've ever seen in Star Wars next to Obi-Wan screaming at Anakin, you know, you are the chosen one um, that... Uh, Ahsoka being able to do the same thing. Um, and then, of course, maybe even Vader coming back with his side of the story is feeling like, you abandoned me. And as they're having well, this epic battle, just I just think it could be the coolest thing we've ever seen in Star Wars. Oh, I could also see Vader offering her the chance to be his apprentice again. And Join say, me. yeah, no, no, but basically she was his apprentice and he could say, yeah. come back. You were right to leave. The Jedi were messed up. I can show you the right way to do things. That'd yeah, be pretty cool. Yeah. I think the whole thing just creates an awesome experience for this. And I know that they've talked about, you know, they're not, their goal is obviously to not misuse Vader in any way, shape, or form to make him seem just as menacing and powerful as he seems in the, the original trilogy. Yeah. And I think, at least from what we're seeing here, that's definitely the case. Uh, and the way that he just dispatches Kanan, like, that is just fantastic. Um, because it really just shows that these guys, no matter what they can do against stormtroopers, they're no match for the power of the dark side. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Thinking about the trailer and uh, for for Rebels here, which... Um, it looks like it'll start in the summer. There was no um, solid premiere date, but maybe this summer it looks like we might actually get uh, the premiere of the the season opener. 
and then maybe in the fall we'll be getting the season. Um, they did get to see it at Celebration, the first two episodes, which just kicking myself that I wasn't there. Yep. Um, John, what would you rate this trailer? We talked about The Force Awakens, Season 2 of Rebels. What's your excitement level here as reflected by uh, your rating? Uh, season 2 of Rebels, I will uh, I will actually give... I will give this the princely sum of 52,000 uh, credits Ooh. because it is... Um, that's speaking as a as a fanboy. This this is a fanboy property at this point, and it's it, it, as a result, it was constructed in such a way to to really trigger those emotions and those feelings that even a new saga movie coming out, um, you know, it, it it hits you in a different way. I I think that you're right. Um... I think for me that there is something about this this trailer and 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 what it really does for me um as a fan and I am so excited to see where they go with Rebel season 2 and it, and what I love is that I'm able to say that especially after I was wishy-washy uh, and how I felt with with season one of rebels and and what they're doing here is just beyond believable almost <laughs> in so many ways yeah. um so for me i i think that this this um this trailer just deserves one darth vader no. uh, that's my excitement level for this trailer is is darth vader and i think that sums up how dark we're going to get in this show um, which is surprising because, you know, I think that was one of the things they had in season one. It was a little bit lighter. And they have gone to the dark side with this show very quickly. And uh, I guess that makes sense because we still are in the dark times. Yeah. Um, they haven't stolen any Death Star plans yet. And there's no Luke Skywalker on the scene. There's no new hope. Um, and uh, this is about building the hope. And I think that's what's going to be most interesting is watching this show build toward that that place that we were in A New Hope where the, the rebellion had game momentum. Yeah. To where they really were a threat. And uh, I think that's what gives me hope about these guys surviving instead of dying. Because even though we might not see them in the original trilogy, that doesn't mean they couldn't have been in the background. Because obviously the rebellion has many different facets to it, so there's so many different ways that we can go with this, and I couldn't be more excited. Right on. Well, John, I got. I'm so glad that we got a chance to just sit down and talk about this stuff. And of course, it's not the only thing that we have been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. <laughs> Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. This episode isn't very good, but... <laughs> Are we just going to pin all of our <laughs> choices? You pretty much have to. But the thing about this episode, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think, is it's a crazy idea. Earl Grey. 
Picard, can you construct a, a rudimentary lathe? Go for its weak spot. <laughs> it's an energy being. It doesn't have a vulnerable spot. <laughs> Get off the line, the forge. The orb. Or we could just blame it on Janeway somehow, you know, that she it's scared fault, the yeah. Borg into the Gamma Quadrant because they were tired of dealing with her in the Delta Quadrant. I don't know. To the journey! Because this is the dangers, by the way, kids, of having uh, babies in the 24th century. Because if Kathy's first word was coffee and she was standing next to the replicator, the next thing you know, you have a hyped up two-year-old. The ready room. Well, it's kind of like, you know, you've got your lucky shirt when you're watching a football game and your team won when you were wearing it. So now you have to wear it every time. That's also the Enterprise insignia. That's the insignia of the only ship whose crew didn't die. Yeah. So Just wear course. it on the right color shirt. That's all. That's right. Know. Commentary, Trek stars. And then he turns to her and he says, who, who is that man that I was just hugging? And she says, that was William Shatner. And he's like, who? Literary Treks. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really a, a fan of a lot of, you know, different kinds of you know, naval fiction. Uh, you know, I, I, C.S. Forrester, Horatio Hornblower, those novels. So um, good. Yeah, you know, Patrick O'Brien, uh, you know, the, the Master and Commander books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are all things which sort of put me into the right mindset. The 602 Club. So when we come kind of to the story here, and especially off of doing literary treks where we talk about Michael Pillar's book, Fade In, kind of got behind the scenes of, of insurrection and really seeing how the that story changed. To me, it really just exemplified the importance of story in a movie. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Guys, check out these shows and find out what we've been talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and in a galaxy far, far away. You'll find us, of course, wherever you do, you get your podcast. Um, if you have a passion for all things Trek and then all things geeky like here on the 602 Club like we do, I, I hope that you'll want to help share that passion. And one of the best ways that, that you can really do that, you could be our best spokesperson and that's by hitting that subscribe button in iTunes or giving us star ratings, reviews. Those things are some of the best ways to share your passion for all things geeky and Trek FM with others. And I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you have as much passion and, and drive as we do for this. And uh, you can also use your Facebook account and your Twitter account to help us spread the word about Trek FM to your friends. And to your followers. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows, of course, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and download that MP3 file. Grab the RSS link as well. You can review us on all those other places you get your podcast too. That helps us out greatly and really just spreads that word about what we do here on Trek FM, which is to try to bring you the best Star Trek podcasts out there as well as everything else now with the 602 Club. If you really do love our shows and you want to help them come to you each week, the best way to do that is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. We're a listener-supported group. The only way that we can get these out to you is by you helping us out. It costs a lot for the storage space, the production of these podcasts, all of that. And if you'd like to know more, just visit patreon.com slash trek.fm. We've got our milestone contribution levels along with the current goals. And you can check that out at patreon.com slash trek.fm. I'd like to say a special thanks to my associate producer, Norman Lau, 
and his support of the 602 Club. His Twitter account is at Norman Lau. He's a big supporter of the Star Trek Axonar Project, as you guys know. He's on their official Facebook page as well as the Babel Conference. And last but not least, of course, he's a huge supporter of the network on Patreon and the host of Warp 5. Special thanks, too, to Ken Tripp for all of his support of the network and being an associate producer here and helping us bring this show to you each week. You can contact us on trek.fm slash contact. If you would love to interact with the show, share your passion for all things Star Wars or anything that we talk about here on the 602 Club, we would love to have a voicemail from you. Look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. Of course, Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, which is also a great way for you to share the shows that we produce from our Facebook page to yours. And of course, we're on the Babel Conference and that's the listeners-only discussion group. It's a great place to... I mean, we have been having so many discussions this week because of all the announcements going on. It has been insane. And if you want to join in on that kind of fun and that level of, of just fan joy, come to the Babel Conference, search that in Facebook, or go to the website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. John... I love getting to have you here on these supplementals um, and just the 602 Club in general. Remind everybody where they can find you online and, of course, about your own podcast, Words with Nerds, that you do with your friend Craig. Oh, well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, uh, you can find me being a lovable little scamp on Twitter at Kessel Junkie. (laughs) And uh, you can also, as Matt mentioned, uh, hear me on a weekly podcast called Words with Nerds that I do with my good friend Craig where we uh, also explore uh, some of the uh, more obscure corners of the so-called geek universe. And that airs every Thursday, and you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, all the usual. Awesome, man. Well, if you'd like to find me, of course, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we talk about Deep Space Nine exclusively. You can also find me doing Literary Treks, where we talk about the books and the comics of Star Trek. In fact, we just hit 100 episodes on Literary Congratulations. Treks. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. It's I can't believe it. it's been that long. Uh, it has been a long road getting from there to here um, <laughs> oh no but yeah um, <laughs> but i'm so glad that we have it spreading a passion for star trek books and in comics is is just so exciting and so i'm gl- so glad that people have enjoyed the show that authors have gotten in on the show and we've been able to share that with you you can find me on my own personal blog 42 life between wordpress.com thank you everyone for joining us from this supplemental And y'all come back now, you hear? Hear?